Now, um, let's jump into our message for this morning. And if you're in John chapter 8, we've been looking at the last two Sundays, we looked at uh, seeing the great I am, seeing him in the book of Genesis, seeing him again in the book of Isaiah. And today we're going to um, look and find uh, the great I am in the book of John in the New Testament. And so as we we look this morning uh, here at the book of John, uh, it is unique in the fact that uh, this is where uh, the great I am is presented to us in his most personal and distinctive aspect. Um, All through the book of John, uh, you see Jesus Christ reveals himself as the I am of Scripture. This is when, uh, again, if you look in Old Testament, and uh, as the, the I am speaks, as Jehovah God speaks to man, uh, you see over and over again as he does present himself uh, to those that he is speaking to as personal, as someone who is, we've already looked at how he's spoken and, and, and said, I am thy shield. Um, But then beyond all of that, in the fact that he is uh, personal in the aspect of speaking to them, and and he would, in the Old Testament time frame, speak directly to man, uh, and they would hear the voice of God, which, by the way, uh, just a reminder, when they would hear the voice of the Lord, um, they didn't, Man did not stand and say, Whoa, boy, I'm important. Look, I, God is speaking directly to me. No, um, matter of fact, uh, every time you see someone hearing the voice of the Lord speaking directly to them, it was in such a thunderous way, it, it produced and it struck fear into the heart of the individual. It was overwhelming. It was more than that individual could handle. Matter of fact, many a times, they thought themselves to have been, you know, I'm a dead man. Because God is speaking to me, I'm dead. Um, and, and so we have a, if you take people today, um, and you take the mentality of, of, of many today and the idea of God speaking to them, you take them back in that day, they would have a rude awakening as to what it is to really have God speak. Um, it wouldn't be quite the uh, uplifting look at me scenario as it is the fall on your face before him uh, scenario. And so um, the great I am, though he would speak to them and he would tell them what he was, and Jehovah God would speak and tell them, I am here for you. I, I am here to protect you. I am here to guide you. I am here to provide for you. Um, you never find the, the great I am in a more personal aspect than when you find him in the New Testament. And the reason for that is because of, again, I got to stay away from the stream for next, next Sunday, but Um, you find the great I am bringing himself to lower himself to be robed in flesh so that he could walk with and not just talk with, but walk and talk with those which he loved. But he came not to just walk and talk with man in, in the form of man as Jesus Christ on earth, God in flesh, 
But he came not just for the walk and the talk. He came for the purpose of buying back that which had been stolen through sin. That which had been taken from his original intent because of sin. And the only way to to pay the price would be to be a sacrifice of himself. Because only one who is perfect, only one who is holy, only one who is righteous in all aspects of righteousness could pay the price required for sin. And not a single human being born prior to Christ and not a single human being born after him Not a single one of us is capable of forgiving ourselves, much less anybody else, of sin. We are tainted by it. Christ was not. And so you have the great I am now robed in flesh. Again, I need to leave that picture alone because we're actually, I'll I'll give you a little sneak peek. We're going to look at the book of John next Sunday morning uh, for the Christmas Eve Sunday morning service, we're going to go to John, but we're going to start in verse number one of chapter one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was. Uh, gotta leave it alone, all right? We're, we're gonna we're gonna go there next Sunday, and we're gonna tie all of these things together in looking at the Great I Am robed in flesh for each of us. But let's look at what Jesus Himself. Showed, showed who he was and how he declared himself to be the great I am. Let me, let me show you, and, and yes, I do have seven things listed, but we're just going to look at them in order together. So if you'll get there fast with me, we'll get through them, all right? But I'm going to show you in the book of John seven places where Jesus himself spoke of himself as the great I am. And he gave very specific things in revealing himself in a personal and yet distinctive aspect of being the great I am robed in flesh. And, and let's start with, uh, with John 8. If you're in John chapter 8, let's look here, verse 51 down to verse number 58. And people say, well, did Jesus ever truly claim to be Jehovah God? <laughs> Glad people ask that question because here it is. Just one of the time frames. There's many others we could go to in the Gospels, but here is one. Uh, John 8, verse 51 down to verse 58, and you follow along as I read. says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus speaking here, If a man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. Now, don't get this wrong. He's not saying if you work your way to perfection, you become saved. He's not saying keep my sayings. What he, what, he's, what he is declaring here, not of the work salvation, he is declaring, Jesus himself declaring, you must follow God's plan, not man's. You must follow, if you, if you want to never see death, that doesn't mean you're not going to die physically in this life. It means that there is a second death, a spiritual death, a full and total separation from God himself. If you desire to never see that separation and that death, the second death, 
If you want it to never have any possibility of hold on your life, how do you come to a grip uh, with, with the confidence of, I know that I know that I know the second death has no hold on me? How do you know that you will live forever in the presence of God? Jesus declares it right here. If a man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. The keeping of my my sayings that he's speaking here is the following of God's plan. The keeping of God's plan. And and you find out later he, he declares very clearly what that plan is. But moving on, verse number 52, Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Uh, By the way, people hated Jesus long before today. Abraham is dead in the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom Whom makest thou thyself? Okay, now watch. Verse 54, Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. So my Father, you claim, is your God. Now, he already right there is ruffling their feathers because they don't like the fact that he, at this point he is, alluding to the fact that he is the son of God. He has not outright just said, I am the son of God. He is, he is hitting it without saying directly. Now watch. But in a minute, he's going to fix that. <clears throat> he says in 50, 50, verse 55, Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. <laughs> Again, just read your Bible. There is, there is a lot of comedy uh, when you read your Bible for, for what it says and what God presented. Um, this whole mamsy-pamsy Jesus that saw, spoke softly and just made everybody feel loved and wonderful is not the true, complete vision and understanding of the Jesus of the Bible. This soft-spoken uh, you know, very, very, very meek and mild individual was not the Jesus of the Bible. Now, he was loving, he was caring, he was merciful, he was kind, uh, but he was not soft-spoken and, and, and uh, but as, as somebody, our, our pastor put it, uh, don't mistake meekness for weakness. Yeah, he right here had no, no problem looking at them faced, by the way, he had more guts than most people today. When you think about it, most people today, the only time they call somebody a liar is through Facebook when they don't have to stand face to face with them. We're really brave when we don't actually have to face somebody. But Jesus right here, he has his accusers right in front of him. They hate him. They're ready to, you'll find out in just a minute, they're, they're ready to stone him. They want to, they're seeking for a way to get rid of him. They can't stand him whatsoever. And he looks right at them and says, if I say that I don't know him, then I will be a liar just like you. Yikes. Can you say awkward? Now watch. 
Now, I, I can just, mm, I, love, I love painting that picture in my mind, just thinking of the face they must have made at that moment. Just the, the anger that must have been, I mean, their fists clenched like I'm, oh boy, I wish I could just slap him right now. That's the way they got. But he goes on and says, but I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Now, some people would say, well, hold on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Abraham's not alive. Abraham didn't see Jesus. Um, but I will, I will tell you, without going too deep, we're going through the book of Romans, talking about um, Abraham, talking about faith, even over in other passages, talking about the faith of Abraham, how things were accounted to him for righteousness. Now watch. Abraham did not physically see Jesus, but by faith, he saw what God was going to do. He rejoiced to see the time frame of hope, and by faith, Abraham heard and saw that God, holy God, Jehovah, had a plan, and that there was hope coming. And he, he had hoped that one day there would be hope, and then when he saw it by faith, he rejoiced. Jesus Christ himself says that he saw it and was glad. What did he see? By faith, he saw God had a plan for hope. Now watch, verse 57. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Other than them just trying to figure out, they're grasping at straws to find some way of insulting him. Uh, it, 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 there's really not a whole bunch of reasoning behind this, okay? They're just trying to say, you're, you're just a, a youngster. You're, I mean, in his 30s, I remember those days. I'm there now, I can say that. I remember those days. I, I remember in my 20s, everybody's like, well, you get to 30, you know, you get to 30 and, 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 and the Lord will really start using you. I get to my 30s. Well, when you get to your 40s, God will really start using you. <laughs> what do I got to do? Be in my 80s before God really starts using me? You know, you're, you're never old enough for God to really use you, according to some. Because here's a, here's a, here's a problem. For some, you're never going to be their age. Well, well, that's an epiphany right there. I'm never going to reach the age you are as long as you're living because you're already ahead of me. I mean, that just... I'm, you're always going to be out in front, all right? But here's the thing. They're trying to do the same thing that man tried to do today. Man tries to put down what God is wanting to accomplish, even through individuals, and that's what they're trying to do there. He's claiming to be the one following his father. He's claiming to, he's claiming to be God in the flesh. Don't know what that was, but it wasn't mine, all right? Claiming to be God in the flesh, and, uh, and here it is, the only thing they know to do is to tear him down by making him look like you're not even old enough to be used of God, okay? So who do you think you are? You're not even of the wise ones. I love the answer that Jesus gives. Verse 58, Jesus said unto them, and here is where he makes no, no qualms about, he doesn't, he doesn't hesitate in claiming who he is. So they're saying, he's Abraham. Who, who do you think you are? Like, you've seen Abraham. Now watch. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, 
I am. And as we would say today, mic drop. <clears throat> okay? <laughs> Before Abraham was, I am. By the way, if you're curious as to whether or not they understood what he was saying, the very first part of the last verse tells you, then, then took they up stones to cast at him. Now, Jesus had to slip out and get out of there because they had full intentions of stoning him. Why? Because Jesus declared without any question, I am Jehovah God. Because before Abraham was, the one that you lift up and you say, oh, Father Abraham, he is something else, boy. He is, he's the one we look to. He is wonderful, boy. We follow Father Abraham. And like most religious scenarios, they, they get the majors and the minors completely flipped. They make a huge deal out of Father Abraham and Jesus is saying, you claim to know God, but honestly, you're more focused on man, and you don't even know God. Because before he ever existed, I always am. And they didn't like it too much. They didn't care for it because they knew instantly Jesus was claiming to be the very Jehovah God that they claimed to worship. He was God in the flesh. Well, that's where he says, I am. We're, we're going to backtrack just a little bit here and look at several other statements where he declares who he is as the great I am here in John, the, the whole book of John through several different passages. Let me pray very quickly, and we're going to jump in. I got seven of them. We're going to get them quick if you'll go with me fast, all right? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. I pray that you'd help us as we look at this. Lord, would you give us clarity of thought Lord, you allow the truth of who Jesus Christ is from your word where he speaks of himself. Heavenly Father, would you help us to see the great I am through the book of John and all that is that we're to know of our Savior. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look, go with me to chapter 6. Chapter 6, John chapter 6, and um, we're going we're gonna to get through these fairly rapidly because we're just going to look at these passages as they are directly through here. John chapter 6, verse number 35. John 6, 35. Jesus said, I am, in this passage of Scripture, dealing with the bread of life. He said, I am the bread. Verse, uh, verse number 35, John 6, 35. It says, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Hey, just don't forget the woman at the well. He mentioned how he, he was the living water. And so we're not going to go necessarily there, but he's, that's what he's talking about. Hungering. Blessed are those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he said, hey, I am the answer for that hunger and thirst. I am the bread of life. 
He that, uh, again, he that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. We're not talking about physical hunger. We're not talking about physical thirst. We're talking about uh, the spiritual, the eternal hunger and thirst of righteousness. We, can't, we have no righteousness of ourselves. We have no ability to be right with God in and of ourselves. Who is the only one that can offer us the righteousness of God? It is the one who is God in the flesh. It is Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. He is the water of life. He is the one who provides the righteousness for those who hunger and thirst after it. And therefore, he said, I am the great I am. I am in who, who I am as Jehovah God. I am the bread that you need for eternity. I am the water that you need for eternity, for the righteousness that is required to be right before God, to be justified before God. Only way it's going to be satisfying is through me. You eat bread of this life and you hunger again. You drink uh, the water of this life and you hunger and you thirst again. But you eat the bread and drink of the water that I offer and you don't hunger and thirst ever again. He's dealing with spiritual and everlasting life. But look at verse number 48 of John 6. Verse number 48 to verse number 51. He reiterates again. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. What, what, what is, this is the bread. He said, that's me. This. May I, may I say, you got to picture Christ speaking to you. If he was saying these things as he is speaking to the crowd that is there, he's not just speaking to the walls. He's speaking to real people. He's speaking in a very personal way. Uh, he is the preacher of the moment, and they're watching, and here he is, and he is speaking of himself. And when he says, he says, I am the bread of life. This, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven, and a man, uh, and, uh, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, I remind you, um, well, let, let, let's, um, I, I, I'll take you over to verse number 59. Um, it says these things, when he got done teaching all this, he talked about his, 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 his body being the bread, and he, his, he, he, he's going to shed his blood. And, 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 and it, it was such a hard saying. They struggled with it. It says that these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Uh, and, and, and verse 6 says, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is an hard saying, who can hear it? And verse 66 down towards the bottom there says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. When Jesus spoke of 
who he was as the bread of life, it wasn't just a simple little thing. I mean, he was speaking of and telling them, I am going to sacrifice myself that you might have life-sustaining bread, spiritual bread, that you might have that which this life cannot give you. He said, I am the bread of life. What what is that bread? It's, It's my body. It's my flesh that I'm going to give for the life of the world. Jesus was declaring that he was gonna be the life giver by giving his own life. And when it was all said and done, they didn't, they they really couldn't, that bread must have been kind of stale for them because they really couldn't swallow it. And the Bible says that many people, when they realized that he was speaking of himself, and they would have to, they, they couldn't quite grasp uh, all that he was saying, but, uh, but, but that he would sacrifice himself. They couldn't handle all that he was teaching. And many of them said, you know what? I just got, I can't handle that, that kind of preaching, that kind of teaching. I think I'm just going to go an easier way. And many of them followed him no more. He just said, you're, you're, you're hungry for truth? I'm the bread but you're going to have to take me as I am given to you, not as you want it. Let's move on. He said not only is he the bread of life, but the I am. Go to to chapter 8 again. Back over to chapter 8. Look at verse number 12. Chapter 8, verse number 12. Jesus again speaking. He says, the Bible says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, darkness, but shall have the light of life. When he said, I am the bread of life, he presented himself as the one who sustains, sustenance. When he said, I am the light of the world, he presents himself as the great I am, the one who gives sight. Makes the difference for somebody who's blind. Uh, go, go to you go to where I'm going to, but go over to Acts again. Um, very popular verse. I, we we actually um, had it. The Lord gave it to us um, when uh, when we were in ministry with with young people, and uh, it was the verse that we used to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. What is that? That is the light of the world shining through. And that is the ability of not only the Jesus you see in the, when he walked on earth and, and he healed the blind physically, but the healing of the blind physically and the opening of the, uh, of the ears uh, and, and giving hearing to those that were deaf Uh, Those things physically were merely a picture of those things which he wanted to do spiritually for them as well. Uh, He he raised the dead to life. Gracious, you're going to find, oh, I got to get ahead of myself. But you're going to find out raising the dead to life is a picture of what he wants to do spiritually. Uh, Allowing the blind eyes to see is a picture of what he wants to do spiritually. Allowing the deaf ears to hear is a picture picture of what he wants to do spiritually. Allowing uh, the, the, uh, um, the, uh, the dumb tongue to speak 
is what he wants to do spiritually. By the way, before I, before I received Christ as my Savior, I had nothing that I wanted to share with anybody. After I received Christ as my Savior, I've got something to share, and it ought to be able to roll off the tongue. Where before I had nothing to speak of, I didn't speak of it at all. Now I should be able to speak of the one who's made the difference in my life. I should go and reach the world. Go and share the gospel with those that are lost. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What is that? That's the the dumb tongue learning to speak of truth. The blinded see, the, 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 the deaf hear, the dumb speak, the lame. Oh boy, I just keep on going. This is, has nothing to do with my notes. The, uh, the, the, but the lame, why, why did he give those that could not walk? He gave them their, their legs back, they could walk again. Well, here's the thing, when I'm, when I'm bound in sin, I ain't got much of a walk whatsoever. I, I'm a captive, I'm bound up. I don't have anything worth pointing to. There, there's no testimony there whatsoever. Matter of fact, every bit of it is, is a shame. It's like I'm a cripple in this life. I'm crippled by sin. And yet when sin has been dealt with through the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm now a child of God. All of a sudden, it's like God gave my legs again. I can now walk and I have a purpose for walking a path that he gives me. He guides me along and he wants to show me the way in which I should go. And he'll make that way straight. He'll make the step sure and what is it hey he gave my legs back i now have a reason and a way and a purpose and a a place that i'm going to and he boy he gives me a road map of where i to walk and how i'm to walk sin made me blind sin made me deaf Uh, sin uh, made me dumb i could not speak of anything that was worth speaking of sin crippled me as as a whole i was like a dead person and oh by the way he deals with that too But he says, I am the light of the world. Being the light of the world, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Why is it that Paul over and over and others say, hey, you're children of the light. Don't walk in darkness Walk as children of the light. Why? Because when I receive Christ as my personal Savior, when I place my faith completely and totally in Him, and He has given me the salvation that only God Himself can offer, the forgiveness of sins, when I have received that forgiveness of sins, I have now been birthed into the family of light. I am a child of light. I'm not to walk in darkness. I'm not to be overrun with darkness. I have the light of life. Within me, I remind you. Uh, well, I mean, go, go to uh, 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 John nine, chapter nine. You'll flip with me real quick. John chapter nine, verse number five. John nine, verse number five. Jesus said here in John nine five, "As long as I am in the world, I am the light." Of the world. He's talking about his time there. He's talking about his ministry there. As long as he walked in the world, he is the light of the world. You say, well, how do you know that that's what he's talking about? Well, because later on we are told that we are the light of the world. Well, how do I become the light of the world if he's the light of the world? Well, he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But he's not right here with us right now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in glory, and therefore he's not in this world. 
physically as he was when he came and was born as a baby and he lived his life for the purpose of giving his life on a cross. But here's the thing, he's not in this world right now physically in that aspect anymore. So if he's not the light of the world and the Bible says that ye are the light of the world, well, where did my light come from? Him? I have no light of my own. But when I receive Christ as my Savior, the Bible says that he then dwells with me. And therefore, though he may not be here in physical form of himself, yet that day is coming again, he shall return. But when he is not here with me, with me in a physical body and form of his own to, to, to serve or, or, or be here personally as he was in this time frame, but if he is not here and he was the light of the world, well, how does that light still shine today? It shines through me. The one who has received him personally, the one who has him with me, the one, by the way, that I had no light of my own, but now that he is with me, he is the light that shines from me. In other words, uh, I guess I could put it this way. I've never said it like this before, but to a degree, we're kind of like lanterns. A lantern doesn't have a light of its own. A lantern is just transparent to let the light shine through it. The light exists of its own. The lantern itself is not the light. Oh, oh boy, I can, mm, that's a whole message right there. Man, my brain just went nuts on me right there for a second. Let, don't even go to electric lanterns. Uh, go to the old-fashioned lanterns. Uh, go, go to those old ones where you have to have the oil inside the body of that lantern and you have a wick and all that. Listen, just because you, you got all that there, there's still nothing burning. There's no light whatsoever until, of course, something is sparked. And once the flame is set to the wick, by the way, you can set a flame to the wick and it can burn for a little while, but if there's no oil in the lamp, it's going to die uh, ooh, mm, mm. All right. That's not my message, but it's good. But think about it. Think about it. There's a lot of people that look like the light. There's a lot of people who know, to, who know how to say the right words and, and, and use the right language and, and sound real spiritual and sound real good and real, real godly. But here's the question. I can light something up myself, but if there's nothing to keep it burning, it's only going to look good for so long. But the only way it's going to keep burning is it's got to have fresh oil on a regular basis. There has to be a supply of oil to keep the light burning. Where does my supply of oil come from? It ain't me. Anybody want to guess what the, what, what, what the uh, oil is a type of uh, in, in the, the Bible? The Holy Spirit. And what is the one that is sent to be the comforter that dwells with me in the absence of Christ being physically beside me as he was with the apostles and, all, and the disciples there at that time frame? When he arose and he ascended and he is gone, who was it that was sent to be a comforter that would also teach me in all things, that would be with me always, that would be supplying this child of God with what is necessary at all times? Who is that comforter? It is the Holy Spirit. Therefore, as a whole, I am just a lantern. The fire, the flame that produces the light is not of me. It's of God. 
The oil that feeds the flame is not of me. It's of God. I'm just meant to be transparent so that which is contained within me because of what God has placed in me can be seen by those around that are lost in darkness and a light can shine forth that is not of me but is all of him because he is the light of the world and he is the light of the world Though not present right now, physically, he is alive of the world through me as his child, as a child of God. Write down, I'm not going to go there, don't have time. We've only got two of these. Mm. Write down John 12, 46, underneath light of the world. John 12, 46, you'll want to go visit that as well. But let me move on. Go to John chapter 10. John 10. He said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the door. This is the one who guides. I am the door. John chapter 10, verse 7 through 10 says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. By the way, when you're looking at doctrinal truth in the word of God, how do you build doctrine? Doctrine is not built on one passage of scripture that you can take and say, ooh, I like the way that says that right there. We're going to build this doctrine on that one little excerpt of a piece of passage of scripture. That's not how you build doctrine. How do you build genuine foundational doctrine of what you believe from this book? Well, this book has to be consistent with itself in multiple places for it to build doctrine. For it to be truth, you have to be able to prove it time and time and time again without contradiction. So, think about this. In Jesus saying, I am the door, we'll see in a minute, he continues to say and continues to point out other aspects of who he is as Jehovah God, as I am. But you'll find when he says, I am the door here, and he speaks very specifically that if any man... Uh, enter in by, by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He said, by me, entering in by me. I am the door. You find out later, we'll look in a minute, it's on my list, but he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. How many times over and over and over and over and over again do you see the constant consistency of Jesus saying, it's me, it's only through me. There is no other way but me. I am the way. I am the door. I am the light. I am the bread. He keeps saying, it is all about who I am. There is no other way. There is no other option. It is Christ and Christ alone. How do we know that we can stand firm on the doctrine of salvation concerning it? It is not salvation in any other save Jesus Christ. 
How do we know that? The Bible says it for one. For two, it is consistently over and over and over again. Jesus himself declared, I am the only one. I am the only way. I am the only door. There is no other. Every other option is the way of thieves and robbers. That's what he's saying here. The door of the sheep. He's talking about the door of those that place their faith and trust in Christ. The door of those uh, that, that become the child of God through salvation. He said there is no other door, no second way, no third way, no fourth way, no, no back window of salvation. He said you've got to come through the door. If you come any other way, you're coming the way of thieves and robbers. It don't count. How do you know you can build a doctrine that's solid? Because it's consistent. Over and over, even Jesus himself said it over and over. It backs itself up over and over again. The word of God remains true. Jesus saying, I am the door. If you, if you were to, to back up a little bit in chapter 10, uh, look with me very quickly, verse 1 through 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they not, know not the voice of of strangers. Here's the thing. If anybody tells you that there's any other way besides Jesus, he's not of God. He's a thief and a robber. Anyone telling you there, there, there is other options besides having to trust Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation. That's, by the way, that's not going to be found in this book, which is God's book. It's God's word. Uh, if you're going to have, you know, come up with that, it's going to be man's version, which, by the way, that is called religion. And yes, I fully agree, religion is the worst thing to ever happen to this world. I fully agree. But religion is not this. This is not religion. This is God's word. This is truth. Religion is man-made philosophies in order to get away from having to follow God-given truth. Religion is killing people. Truth does not. Jesus said, I am the door the door of the sheep. There is no other way in. Ah, got to move, got to move. And he said, uh, go in chapter 10, look at verse number 11, down to verse number 18. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Here he is. He is the one who protects the good shepherd. But the good shepherd is not just one who beats off uh, the, the wolves and the, and, and the bears, but the good shepherd is one that's even willing to give his life for those that he cares for. And listen, Jesus, is, this whole time, Jesus is declaring, he's saying, listen, I'm trying to tell you what it is I'm here to do. <laughs> I'm the good shepherd. I am the shepherd that is willing to sacrifice himself for the ones he loves. What he's telling them is, I am going to give myself for your safety. 
Give myself for your protection. I'm going to give myself to fight the fight against sin that has condemned you so that you can have hope. I am the good shepherd. It goes on, verse number, tw- uh, verse number 12. But he that is in hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, uh, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Listen, he's, he said, I am the one that cares, that knows. I'm not going to fail you. I am here to protect those that I care for. He's basically, uh, what he's saying is, I, I am the shepherd that the sheep can trust. The one who protects. I, I got to move on. There's so many things. Again, and I understand there's so many other things we can, we can take out of these passages, so many other directions we can go that, that is, is excellent truth. I'm not going there today. That's why I'm not going to try to touch on it. But there are many other things and analogies and understand, things to understand about these passages. But we're trying to look at Jesus just dealing with the I am. He says, I am the good shepherd. But then chapter 11, you're right there. Verse number 21 through 27, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is him presenting himself as the one who gives hope. The one who gives hope. 11, verse number 21 Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Now He's telling her, don't worry, I got this. You're going to see him. Now she's not quite understanding what he's saying. Verse number 24, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. By the way, there's another plug right there for truth of the last day resurrection. It's going to happen. But Jesus tells her, he's like, he's not talking about way down in the future. He's talking about, I'm about to take care of it right now. And so he looks at her, verse 25, Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He's telling Martha, hey, Martha, you don't have to look all the way, way into the future and all the way, way down into that, that one hope that we have. He said, no, listen, Martha, I'm, I'm with you right now. I'm, I'm here right now. In this aspect, don't look at, don't look at it as, as what it is for us to see, but look at it as for what it is for her to see. He's saying, Martha, look at me. Look, look at me. Do you know who I am? Martha, do you know who I am? I am the resurrection and the life. I am the very thing that you're saying is way off in the future. I'm, I'm right here with you right now. He's saying, Martha, I can do whatever I need to do because I am the I am. It's me. And may I say, not to get too far into this, but when he said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he was trying to get Martha to acknowledge who he was right there in the flesh with her 
I fully believe when the Bible says that Jesus wept. Jesus was not weeping. If you believe differently, that's fine. But Jesus did not weep with his disciples when he delayed. And they're trying to figure out, why are you waiting? The one you love is sick. We need to go now. The Bible says he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew with confidence what he was going to accomplish. And he was waiting because he needed to actually prove who he was. And so here he is, and he looks at at her and he says, hey, do you know who I am? I believe the Jesus wept statement that we get, he weeps because they they say they know, but they actually prove that they don't believe. He's telling them, I am he who can take care of this. I am the resurrection and the life. I am going to raise him again. And they're like, oh, I know one day he's going to raise. I know we're all going to see each other. He's like, no, right now. Do you know who I am? You say you believe in me, but you don't believe it, then I can do it. And they're weeping and they're mourning because there's no hope. And he said, I am your hope. And I believe it broke the heart of holy God, Jesus Christ, to have people he cared for not even believe he was who he said he was. They said it with their mouth, but they didn't believe it with their actions. May I say how true that is even today. Last two, just going to give them to you, can't preach them. But he did say in John 14, 1 through 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He presents himself there as the one who brings reconciliation. There is no one else who can reconcile a lost sinner to a holy God. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the reconciliation that you must have. Without me, there can be no reconciling your sin and a holy God. There must be forgiveness of your sin. And then there must be righteousness placed on your account that you cannot give yourself. That you might be able to stand before a holy God and seem justified and forgiven. And he said, I am the way. I am that truth and I am that life. The only one who can bring reconciliation. And then lastly, in John 15, 1 through 5, again, don't, can't go to it, can't give all that. We're already out of time. And my voice is almost done. But John, in John 15, 1 through 5, he presents himself for the child of God. He says, I am the true vine. And he talks about that you are branches and that we are to be grafted into the vine and we are we are to remain in the vine and he says for without me ye can do nothing we love people love quoting that verse Uh, um, i can do all things through christ which strengtheneth me but there is a flip side on that coin that jesus christ himself presented for without me, ye can do nothing. What we actually believe is, I can do most things on myself, but I can do all things with God's help. I, I, I can accomplish most of what I need on my own. 
and we try, right? We honestly believe, well, I I can handle most of this, and then when I can't handle it, I know I can go to Christ. I can go to God in prayer, and through him in Christ, I can do all things through Christ. So when it gets so bad that I can't handle it anymore, then I'm going to bring Christ in the equation so he can help me. That's how we live our lives. That's the way we think of most things. If I ain't got it, well, Christ will have it. But if I can get it, I won't bother him. But Jesus said, I am the true vine. You're just branches. Without being in me, without being connected, without receiving what you need from me, you're going to wither and die. You're not going to lose your salvation, but as a child of God, you become unfruitful. As a child of God, you accomplish nothing. As a child of God, you go through this life miserable when you don't have to go through this life miserable. You can go through this life victorious, but you can't be victorious on your own because without me, ye can do nothing. And yet we think the Bible teaches us that we do everything we can and then when we we find a place that we can't do it, we get God in on it. No. No. I can't, I, I can't be saved without him. I can't, honestly, I, don't, I have no ability to do right in this life as a child of God without him. I can't face another trial and test in my life without him. I don't even know the best place to get gas for my car without him. He's all preacher, that's just silly. Actually, no, I know some people, that's the way they live. They're so serious about it, they pray, and if the Lord tells them to go over yonder, they go. They just believe that for some reason, that's when they need to get gas. Oh, well, that's just taking it too far. Without me, ye can do nothing. And so why don't we just go ahead and start including him in everything we do? We might find ourselves being saved from some things that we didn't even realize was going to be a problem. It looks good to me. Seems good to me. Oh, it's always worked for me. Yeah, well, maybe this might be the one time God knows it ain't going to work out well, so I'm going to send you over here instead because he knows better than me. He is, and, and I'll just say it this way. When you look at all the I am's he lists, he is the one. Jesus Christ himself declared himself to be I am, God in the flesh, the one who sustains, the one who gives sight, the one who guides, the one who protects, the one who gives hope, the one who brings reconciliation, and the one who enables us to be what God intended us to be as a child of God. It's all of him and none of us. Jesus Christ, the great I am, robed in flesh. And we'll pick that thought up next Sunday, robed in flesh. John chapter 1, verse number 1. The word became flesh. The word dwelt among us. We'll look at all that next Sunday. But may I ask you, have you trusted in the great I am? Have you placed your faith and trust in him and him alone? There is no other way. There is no other salvation. There is no other forgiveness. And there's no one else who can reconcile a dirty, rotten sinner like me with a holy, perfect Savior in God. No one else. 
save Jesus Christ, the great I am, robed in flesh. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the